it's more of a feeling of, man, I am so grateful that I could have helped that family. It's such a great thing for me. I have so much growth through these things that it actually brings a lot of happiness. Welcome to East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Inspiring stories from local people and businesses you likely already know and trust. Here is your host, third generation family business entrepreneur, Renee Oswald. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of East Idaho Entrepreneurs. If this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. Thank you for joining me to learn origin stories of our local business owners, entrepreneurs, and influencers. The stories are inspiring and it helps us to get to know our neighbors better. Well, today I have a local icon whose business has been serving East Idaho since 1925. It started before that, but it's been in East Idaho since 1925. And it's likely that he and his family have impacted your life in some way over the years. So welcome, Brian Wood of Wood's Funeral Home. Yeah, so I'm excited to be with you. Thanks for letting me be part of your show. Thank you, Brian. We are happy to have you. Brian, I know you are the fifth generation of the Wood family to own this business. So tell the listeners a little bit about that legacy and how it started in East Idaho. You bet. So um, my great-grandfather Wood met a young lady named Blanche Jenkins many, many years ago, and he married her, and her dad was a funeral director in Utah, and he owned and operated a funeral home called Jenkins Funeral Home. And so my great-grandpa was introduced to the funeral business through his father-in-law, and he really saw the service aspect, the blessings of serving others that it, that it brought into his life. And so he decided he wanted to come to Idaho Falls and serve the community then. Was so, he an Idaho Falls native? Um, yeah, he was. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, so he decided that that's what he was going to do. And um, so he came to Idaho Falls. And uh, in 1911, there was another funeral home here called Dinwoody Funeral Home. And it was near downtown Idaho Falls, um, near where the Oswald, the older Oswald hey, building was. Hey, yes. Just we were, we were neighbors yeah. way back in the yeah. day. Uh-huh. So a little bit uh, further south from there, right on the corner of Yellowstone and Broadway, on the northwest corner, there's a little business. Um, it changes hands quite a bit, but there's a little little storefront. A little white building? Uh, yeah, and there's whatever. sometimes there's four or five cars for sale in that parking lot. It's kind of a quiet parking lot. But that used to be a funeral home. And when my great-grandfather approached them and asked them what their plans were, they were actually looking to sell it. And so he purchased it and began Wood Funeral Home and moved our location a little bit east from there. Yeah. So, so our downtown location is our historic original location. And uh, at the time, that was the main part of Idaho Falls, downtown Idaho Falls, and where those homes are, you know, where our funeral home is, there's some cool historic homes right in there. Yeah. And our funeral home was one of those historic homes. It was a doctor and he was selling his home. And my great grandpa and my great grandma spoke and he said, this would be a great place because it's big. So we could live upstairs in an apartment and the downstairs could be our business. And it worked out great. It was perfect. Wow. So he, he started the business right there, started serving the community, lived upstairs, worked downstairs. 
And ever since, um, our family's been serving the community in that way. So he had two sons come into the business, and uh, then my dad came into the business, and then me. So, so through that line, that's five generations. The Jenkins Funeral Home is still in operation in Utah. So our family still, uh, through that funeral home, it's now called Jenkins Sof, but they still have two locations there and are staying in the business and as are we. Yeah, so it so. has really been a family legacy for you guys. Yeah. yeah. So you have siblings. Are they also in the business? I have two siblings that um, are jo have joined me here. My younger brother um, recently became a full-time employee just this year. So he, he is a funeral director and um, so he's part of our team. We have 10 funeral directors that are licensed. You've got a big team. Yeah, we have an yeah. awesome team. Yeah. So he's one of the funeral directors. And then my younger sister um, just became part of the office management team. And she was a, a full-time teacher at Hillcrest. And just awesome girl. We had to steal her from Hillcrest. <laughs> Vibrant, smart. Uh, hard worker, and she's part of our team he too. He said, "No, she needs to be in the family business. Yeah. Get her over here." Yeah. So, she, yep. So I have two siblings, and um, my dad retired formally last year. Yeah. And I keep bringing him back to help me <laughs> on some of the big, big things that we've had happen since then. Yeah. But uh, he usually comes in uh, on Saturdays to help on a funeral of someone he knows. So. Well, we know how that is. When um, Kevin's dad decided to retire, we kept pulling him back in every time we could as well. Uh, it's nice to have that resource for you. For sure. So did you work in the business since your youth? Has this been no. something that you've always done? Yeah, so th that's a good question. You know, there's a lot of family businesses where the kids just kind of grow up around the business. Ours was quite a bit different than that. And I, I never knew why as a kid, but my dad never really brought us around the business. And I think he did not want us to feel the pressure of coming into a business like this. Like you have to, this yeah. is what you've got to do. He, I think he wanted us to decide on our own uh, because of the sacred nature of it. You know, um, as kids, um, the only thing I knew about the funeral business is the things I learned on scary zombie movies. <laughs> you know, like, you know, as a kid, you just think about death and yeah. scary and, yeah. and ghosts. And, and so you, you don't understand and appreciate the real side of, of the business. And so, Actually, I didn't even, you know, grow up mowing the lawn here or anything like that. And, and uh, I really do think it's because he wanted us to decide if it was, it was for us or not. So actually, I served an LDS mission. When I got home, I enrolled in the business management program at BYU-Idaho. And it wasn't until I was going to school that I actually started working weekends with my dad working some funerals really i was, was, I was you broke. were in your 20s then. yeah, yeah. I, I, I called my dad dad i can't date at byu idaho <laughs> unless i have a little spending money so can i come and help you on saturdays on a funeral and hand out programs and do what you do and yeah of course so it only took a few weeks to realize i watched my dad with the families and the relationships that they had and the service that he was able to render and and at the end of the day see how he helped mr brown with his wife in such a, an amazing way and it only took a very short time for me to say to myself oh man this this is amazing and i would love to be a part of this and so i sat down with my dad and i said dad I, I want to do this. Wow. And so... So really, before this, 
it had never been on your mind that I mean, it would be. I just didn't understand it too well. Yeah. And I didn't know much about it. Uh -huh. You know, in fact, when I was in the business program at first, I thought I was going to be an insurance salesman one day because I was really interested in insurance and yeah. I was studying it. But, uh, but then when I came and kind of learned a little bit more about this, I, I knew immediately that it was what I wanted to do. And in your mind, were you like, Dad, how come I haven't known about this more before <laughs> I, now? Yeah, I, I, and it's funny. I've actually been different with my kids. I, you know, I, I try to keep the pressure off them, but yeah. I have four kids. And uh, on Sunday nights, we usually have viewings um, at our funeral home. And I usually rotate bringing my kids with me. And they throw on a nice dress or a suit. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I've gotten them all name tags, oh. wood funeral home name tags, and they'll hand out programs or they'll help help me give water out. Yeah. And I just want them to see how much I love what I do and and what a great thing our family does for the community and, right. and how much of a blessing it is for me. So so yeah, I, I I didn't come much growing up. My kids have been a lot more, you know, and, and they get a, it's kind of the date night with their dad. I guess it sounds kind of funny <laughs> hanging out at a viewing, but um, I don't know. I yeah. think you know there is a lot of obviously you want to have a lot of reverence around death and dying, but there is something to be said about kids being introduced to this as it not being so scary and it's part of life and yeah. maybe dealing with that earlier in your life you're not so scared of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, my little boy, I have one boy and three daughters and he's 11 and he's already decided that he's going to be the boss one day. Here. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. In fact, um, <laughs> uh, one of the girls he goes to school with, her mom works here. So he and her always talk about how they're going to work here together one day too. And I love it. You know, they're little fifth graders. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Over yeah. Here. So anyway, it's, it, it's interesting that you say that because I do think, um, we can relate to this whole generational thing, right? You've mm -hmm. got a legacy that you are responsible for. Mm -hmm. um, and so I appreciate your dad not wanting to put that pressure on you all as far as you have to do this because you're a wood and you've got to do this. Right. Um, but it's interesting to see what our kids do and mm -hmm. the decisions that they make and try not to put so much pressure on them to have to do something they may not want to do. Yeah. They got to figure it out for themselves. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. So you were going to business man. You were in business management. Mm -hmm. Is that like, I imagine you have to have some kind of training to be a mortician. What does yeah. that look like? You know, it worked out great that I was already enrolled in the business program, especially where I was going to be running and managing the business. So I, I continued and, and I finished my four year business degree. And then my wife and I moved to Arizona and there was a mortuary science program in Arizona. So I continued my schooling down there. The program is a two year program plus a one year apprenticeship. Oh, wow. So, so um, prior to going down to Arizona, I had finished the first year during my business program, m much of it is generals, like general accounting, general math, you know, general it's business math. stuff. Yeah. Uh -huh. So a lot of introductory, introductory college courses. And so I was able to finish all that, a human anatomy, a few other things like that. Uh, so I was able to just enroll in the last or the second year of the, the program, which is all the funeral stuff. And, and then did that and then had my apprenticeship here as well. So, so got those degrees and came home, been here ever since. So you were able to do your apprenticeship here uh -huh. in, in your own business, yeah. your father's business. In yeah. fact, I, I did it prior to going to school, which Interesting. which we recommend highly because yeah. it, it really isn't until you, you do an apprenticeship that you know 
if this if is you the can right do this. fit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I saw some children, not children, but kiddos in our class. Uh, you know, we were young then in our early 20s in, in Arizona who didn't do an apprenticeship. Um, they started school and a lot of things just didn't click. You're talking about embalming and, and restorative art and uh, different things where if you hadn't been involved in it, it was really hard to understand. Uh -huh. And we would uh -huh. go to funeral homes and do, do labs. So we, we would assist funeral homes in Arizona on the embalming process. And I remember that one of the very first embalmings I did while I was in school with a girl, she dropped out of the program. It was, over, was it. it was overwhelming. And yeah. she had relocated from the East. She'd come and bought a house. Wow. And, and so I really feel like that apprenticeship is what tells you, like, can I, can I do this or yeah. not? So that was a good thing for me. And as our instructors would teach the courses, I said, oh, yeah, I've seen that. You can that. relate I, to it. I know I could picture it. And, and it all made sense. Whereas, you know, just staring at a textbook, you know, you, you might understand. You get some of the concepts down, but, but being able to visualize it. Um, it's a different different story. So yeah, it's um, I can relate to that a bit. I'm a nurse, and people are not. They think they want to do that, and then they get into it, and they're like, "Oh yeah, no, this isn't what I thought this was going right. to be." Yeah. So, um, what what kind of? I mean, obviously, you addressed embalming, and but there there's really an art, not only to the care of a human body, but to the care of the humans that are left behind you know yeah. do you learn all of that in your program yeah i would say that the emphasis in the program is more science-based okay because there's a lot of technical things to it um, you know you have embalming classes you have chemistry embalming chemistry uh, you have microbiology so I, I learn about diseases and how to protect myself and how to know how this person died and what to do about yeah, that yeah. pathology so there was a lot of science classes which was hard for me because did you know that going in that it was going to be so science-based um, not until I was getting registered for it and I, I I was a little nervous because my brain had been rewired for business sure four years learning business stuff and so to to totally do a 180 and jump into science was was a little overwhelming at first but um, I think a lot of the program was that but there was a portion of the program which was counseling based grief support based learning how to serve and help people through really the hardest thing they'll ever go through in yeah. their life yeah. which is interesting that you know as a funeral director yeah, that you have a counseling background that's so important you know, we, we get to see people at, you know, their very hardest time and, yeah. and to be able to guide them and help them through that. And so, yeah, we did have courses on some of the, the grief support and, and how to listen and how to help. And so it was an interesting mixture of, of, of classes there. Do you still, do you have interns that you would take here at Woods if that was something I was interested in? Yeah, so um, most of the time it's apprentices. And, and so, oh, that's right. yeah. um, so we currently have an apprentice. Um, the reason is, is um, for privacy concerns, we have to be sure that this person is in it for the right reasons. So for example, our apprentice who's with us had to get a special license from the state of Idaho called a resident trainee permit. He had to apply for it. He had to make show them that he had graduated he had to provide they did a background check to make sure he was of good moral character 
different things like that so that they could be sure that yes they really we, regulate we this will. this is something yeah. that not, you're not just uh -huh. going to do yeah you know we have a lot of people reach out and just say um can i do an intern i really want to see an embalming uh -huh. and you know you you breach some privacy when you have someone that just has a morbid interest yeah right as opposed to somebody who really wants to come into the business and serve families and so there is it, it, we have a lot of people that call in wanting an internship and I have to sit down with them and say, that's not how this works. <laughs> yeah, I, I say you can intern the funeral side, but you can't internship the mortuary side. Mm -hmm. So so they'll come in and they'll they'll wear a dress or a suit and they'll come help us on a funeral. Yeah. And they'll drive the hearse with us and they'll be out front there with the families. But as far as any prep work, um, you know, that's the licensed staff that's only. For, mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you talked about before how this is sacred work. And so I think that's really important that it isn't something that's taken lightly and not a morbid curiosity, like you said. Yeah. What do you, what do you think it is about this line of work that has drawn your whole family to do it for so many years? You know, I think just one generation after another, they have seen in one way or another the great blessings and the great character that it's built, um, you know, for our family. For me, my dad is pretty well my hero, you know, and I think most people say that about their dad, but just watching him and the man he is and the love he has for others and all those things I think he's learned through his service here. And those things have really been instilled in each generation. And I think we've seen the importance of that. Um, you know, and I know for me, my kids especially see me and my wife, they see how much I love helping others. And they realize how, how big that is in my life, is the service side of it. And, uh, and it's really built a lot of character. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a goofball normally, you know, and I, <laughs> I think the 15 years I've been here has really helped me grow up a lot. And, and uh, it's been a good thing. It helps me cherish my time with my kids, with my family. Um, you know, I know life is short in many, many scenarios, so. Yeah, it certainly is. Mm -hmm. Well, I, um, I can't help but pause right now and recognize the fact that we are sitting in a mortuary and we are recording this on Friday the 13th. Yeah. So <laughs> I have to lighten this up just a oh, little yeah, bit and ask sure. you. Have you experienced any paranormal activity in this line of work? Do you have any unbelievable experiences that maybe have occurred? Or is that just kind of folktale and stuff? <laughs> I get asked that a lot. <laughs> of course I, you do. I do a lot of tours and I go to a lot of schools and do a lot of career days. Yeah. And I get asked that a lot. Of course. And the question is, I have never felt anything strange uh, paranormal wise at all. I have only, I have felt a few experiences where I, I've felt the presence of maybe angels or something, but yeah, I've, yeah. I've never felt anything too strange or odd or scary or anything like that in, in the 15 years I've been here. Um, but I have felt some, uh, especially, I, ca I can remember two instances where I, the hair on the back of my neck stood up because I, I felt the presence of maybe angels but both of those instances I was taking care of a child yeah and I I in our in our line of work we have to take care of children sometimes 
I wish they were all 95 years old and older, um, but that's not always the case. And But each time we take care of a child, there's a special feeling in the, in the room. And I remember at one point, uh, I took care of a little boy who passed away on Easter Sunday in an accident. And the whole time I was with him, I was here alone at the funeral home with him, I could feel that I really needed to respect and take care of this little boy. And I felt the presence of something else in the room. And... Uh, but that, those are the only times, and it's been when I've been helping children, that mm-hmm. I feel something a little extra watching over and making sure that this little child is respected and taken care of. So. I mean, just you talking about that, it's clear um, the reverence around which you observe the work that you have to do. Tell me a little bit about that. I imagine your own belief in um, death and if there's a hereafter and all of that has to come into play. I, as a nurse facing death and dying scientifically, it, you know, you can do that, but it's pretty cold mm. and uh, navigating individuals through that. Everybody has their own different beliefs, but, and obviously I don't want you to necessarily get down and dirty into all of the beliefs that you have, but you, all your whole team have to have a pretty solid foundation about what you believe about death and dying in order to do this line of work. Yeah. How, how do you face that? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, I feel like, and our staff, we have about 25 people here, different faiths, different understandings, but I, I feel like we all feel that there's more af- after our time here on earth and uh, so I, I feel like that gives us a little hope and that brings a little comfort to our staff here <clears throat> and we try to pass on that hope you know without we don't you know put our beliefs or anything on, on families sure. that we serve but but we want to give them hope and, and uh, know that you know although this is a big trial and a struggle now hopefully eventually we can all be back together um, but yeah I'm, I, a lot of times we're asked to also be a spiritual navigator for these families. You know, uh, we have a lot of families that come in that don't really have a, a, a faith or, um, you know, a church or something. And so they'll ask us, you know, what do you think is going to happen in this, in this? Or they say, will you, will you um, uh, conduct our funeral service for us and maybe share a message at the end? And, and we ask them, well, what, what kind of message would you like? And they say, well maybe a faith-based message and so we try to share some thoughts of our own you know obviously without saying you know this is our stance in our church or something like that and so we we get a lot of opportunities to to minister to families you know in a way that hopefully brings a little hope into their their lives and so hopefully that answers that a little bit for you yeah well i imagine you get to this point with some families They've never thought about death and dying, never talked about death and dying, never wanted to address that that happens. And now it's square in their face. Mm-hmm. And so I do, I can see how they would reach out to you and be like, give me an answer. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a challenge. Death and dying, they're conversations that many of us avoid. That's, it's just not a conversation yeah. <laughs> that we all love to have. And you see people and families at their very best and I'm sure at their very worst. Mm-hmm. How in your 
profession, do you guys stay so calm? Because I've had, um, you know, I mean, I've had the opportunity to work with this. Uh, I've had several family members that have passed away. And it doesn't matter. Oh, well, and as a nurse, you know, I, I see you come in the middle of the night and you're dressed professionally in your suit and you treat, treat the staff and the patient um, with respect. And I, I just, I kind of stand in awe of mm. the work that you all do, but how are you able to always navigate these situations so calmly? Um, it, you talked about it being a little bit part of your training, but I, I haven't met anybody that works in your line of work that is a jerk, yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, you're just not. Yeah, we, we hope not. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing about it is a lot of people wonder if we get desensitized to death. But that is not a good explanation of what, what happens with us. Um, we get used to the fact that this is, this is as death to us is as common as birth is to a nurse that works in the birth yeah, labor center. Delivery. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. It's, it's something that we see every day. And, and, but each scenario, each family we serve, um, we realize this is a new experience for them. And um, so we, we go in each time and um, just make sure from the get-go, like you said, even if it's two in the morning, you know, we'll put our best professional attire on. We'll go in, we'll assure them that we'll care for their loved one as if they're part of our own family. And we do each time. Um, and we make sure that they feel that we care. Uh, through the process. It's interesting, we have some people that come in uh, a little leery of, of us. And I don't know if it's weird stories that people have heard around the country about. In Mississippi, the funeral home was dropping bodies off in a swamp locally, you know, you, <laughs> right. weird, weird things like that. So you'll have some families that come in and just wonder if we're salesmen or if we're, you know, and I think within 10 minutes, they realize that our staff here is here to serve and care for them. Yeah. And you see those walls come down immediately. And, and, uh, but that, I think that's the, the thing that we love most is, is being able to love and serve each family in each scenario. They're so different, you know, and we have to be a chameleon in every scenario. We'll walk in with a family and in order for them to get through this, they have to joke through it, the whole thing and laugh about dad. And, and then you have your very serious, families that it's it's a lot more business and a lot more serious and you kind of have to respect how they want to do business with you and transact and uh, so we we respect how they need to grieve and we we see that they they have to heal in their own in their own way and so we try to adapt to what their needs are in that way have you had families that have treated you poorly like are because they're angry and so you become the target of their oh, yeah. anger all the time um, and we just have to take it and realize they're, they're grieving. They don't really want to mistreat their own family. We're the only other people they're dealing with right now. And, and so they need a place to kind of let it all You're out. You're the easy one to, yeah. to lash out at. We take it a, a lot and we realize that it doesn't come from their heart. You know, it's a reaction to a loss. And uh, um, so, you know, it kind of just falls off our shoulders. Uh, but but we do have a few families here and there that are harder to deal with, and not only towards us, but we deal with families that have decided to not talk to each other. Oh gosh, yes. Twenty years ago, wow. you know, a brother and sister have a falling out, 
And the very next time they have to stare each other in the face is when they're sitting across from me in a funeral arrangement when their dad passes. And so we see that a lot. And they're fighting amongst themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're either fighting or they're not even talking and you you become the mediator. So although we're here to to take care of their loved one, we we turn it turn into their counselor and we're, you know, what well, Joe, what do you think about this? This is kind of what your sister wants, you know, and, wow. and, and so try we try to help them and sometimes we have to just excuse ourselves and just say, "Hey, why don't you guys visit a little bit? I know I, I we see some differences in what you want to do here. Visit. We'll come back in. We'll kind of share our opinion a little bit on what might be a good thing, but ultimately the family has to decide. But so often they want you to make decisions for them because cousin Joe doesn't want that. And, and we all do. So you have to talk them into it for us and we have to make sure we're careful in that area. Has it ever escalated to where you've had to step out of a, a like fire? A, a, I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's I, tough. I can't even imagine we've that had situation. The, we've had to have, we'd have to have, we have had to have the police come wow. before. Wow. Um, we've seen physical altercations in the funeral home. Oh, how fun. Yeah. I, yeah. I remember, you know, right here at the funeral home next door, uh, a lady standing up during our arrangement process and throwing the chair that she was sitting in because she was so upset with her family. And I, I remember another funeral we were sitting in where the person speaking you know, the, one of the people in the congregation wasn't happy about what they were saying. So that person in the congregation stood up, walked over and picked up the flower that they had sent and left with their flower. <laughs> so like, this is my statement. Yeah, I'm, out I'm out of here. here. <laughs> yeah. So we've seen some different, interesting yeah. things. I remember yeah, one I other time, pallbearers were carrying a casket and a, a nephew and an uncle didn't get along. They were both pallbearers. And as soon as they loaded the person in the car, they got into a fist fight right in the parking lot. And so we've seen some that's, different... That's fun. You get to break up the fight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Emotions are, are all over the place yeah, for a funeral. Absolutely. So, no kidding. Yeah. But like I said, that's the can be the best and the worst of people and yeah. during that times. Yeah. You know, again, I addressed how you guys are so professional, but each of you have to also deal with death and dying and coping with the grieving of this happening all around you all the time. Mm-hmm. Is there something that you do for your team or is there something in the profession that you guys partake in that helps you deal with death and dying and coping with all of this yourselves? We talk a lot amongst ourselves and I offer to our staff any counseling that they feel like they might need. You know, we have a pretty solid team as far as I think something about being in this business, your body naturally learns to compartmentalize the stress that we receive at work and in death. And um, maybe it's just the constant flow of it in our lives. You know, a lot of people, they have really hard things happen to them one time here and then, and so they're, they're just not prepared for it. Yeah, right. But I, I think, you know, over time we realize we have a place to tuck that in our brain and when we go home at night we can put that away and we can be our we can be a dad and we can be a husband and we and uh and so yeah that's a good question you know in a time where uh uh, the need to see a counselor depression anxiety all those things are important to recognize i think um we're, we're careful to make sure our staff knows that we have resources if they feel like they need them we go through some really hard things here you know, and uh, 
And we try to become as involved as we can so that we can be in the shoes of that family and, and feel the feelings they're feeling so we can help them with that. So is there in, as an industry is, are there statistics that show that depression, anxiety is any higher in this line of work or lower? Like, do you know, um, you know statistically not, if the, if you're prone to that? I'm not, I actually don't know those statistics. I should look into it. I know there are a lot of alcoholics in the funeral industry. <laughs> but I don't think that's um, singular to the funeral industry. <laughs> You're probably, probably right. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not super uh, familiar with the statistics, at least yeah. nationwide, yeah. with that. That's probably something I should look more it's into. It's just interesting, I would imagine, just based on what you said, I do think we adapt to our circumstances. And mm -hmm. where maybe I, as an outsider, would be like, oh, yeah, it's got to be super high. I think, you know, y'all, we all cope with things yeah. in our circumstances that we're in. I, just to kind of button that, that question up with you, Renee, I think because we're so involved in serving mankind, I think if anything, we are, you'll see that funeral directors are a happier people, you know, and I, I think so much of it is because um, we're always helping others. We're doing such rewarding work that um, it's kind of the opposite for me. I, I don't feel the, the depression or the, the sadness. I feel the, the, the blessing or the, the, the things I was able to do to help family navigate this. And so it's a, more of a feeling of, man, I am so grateful that I could have helped that family. It's such a great thing for me. I have so much growth through these things that it actually brings a lot of happiness. And so I, I feel for me, I'm a pretty healthy guy mentally um, and Maybe it's just because I'm lucky with with all the all the things that we're able to do helping families here. So, well, you you mentioned something I think is is huge. It's purposeful work, and understanding that everything that you do is a service. It's just so profound. So I think that's that is huge. I'm glad to hear that you that does bring you joy. I mean, yeah. that's what sets you guys apart, right? Well, we we love doing it. And I, I think in any industry, if you can find the thing that is the reward, you know, a, a lot of people growing up, they think, I just need to find a job where I can make a bunch of money, you know. Oh, man, it's so much more about that. And you know that, Renee, and, and your family, too, and the businesses you're in, uh, is, is it's more about what, what, what do you take home from that inside? Like, yeah. What, what character does that build uh, in, in your job? So I always, rec you know, when I'm talking to different schools or different classes or tours, I always say, you need to find something that can bring you happiness. Don't think just about the money. The money is a bonus. You yeah, know? yeah. It really is about, you know, you're in this career the majority of your life. You've got to love it. You've, you've got to find the thing that, that excites you about it. And, and uh, so those things are important. Yeah. Well, and like you said, you're not only in this career the majority of your life, you're on call 24-7, basically. Mm -hmm. Like this, the, you don't get much sleep in this line of business, I imagine, that there's, well, you figure out when you're going to sleep because people die all the hours of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky for us, we have a big team, so we, we share that load together. Yeah, um, Our licensed funeral director staff, we rotate being on call one day a week. So, um, you know, a lot of funeral homes, they sacrifice and they're on every night or every other night. And so that can be a, a heavy load to bear. But we have a good team here and it, it helps a lot. Yeah, in that you area. can share. Yeah. So I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, I, I think as a community, 
we we suffered a tragedy um, last November, um, where a beloved family uh, of our community had several people um, that were killed in a tragic accident. I know I watched as a business owner. I watched you guys, um, and I thought about wow, you know, how do you navigate? Um, all of the logistics even of such a huge undertaking. And I think as I, as I also look at it, the timeliness of it right now, we're, we're hot in the middle of COVID-19 and the resources that are um, impacting our healthcare workers, um, thinking about the impact that it's gonna have on our business, planning for, um, you know, what I, in my head, I call mass casualty kind of situations. Um, I, I watched you guys and how you navigated that and wondered about how do they do this? How do they have the resources? And, um, and I also am aware that they're personal friends of yours. So talk to me a little bit about when you, um, you know, that particular circumstance had to have really put a strain on your business have you ever had anything like that before? What what resources do you have in a situation where, like, that's not a normal everyday occurrence for you guys to have to do? Yeah, that was that was um, a pivotal point of my career. That was definitely the hardest time of my career. Um, four generations were lost in that accident, and. Uh, um, the moment it happened, you know, I think within an hour or so, we were, they let us know that we were going to be helping all nine of the victims of that plane crash. So we had a uh, a team huddle here at the funeral home. We had our whole team in a group text from our homes and uh, said, you guys, um, this happened. We're going to be the ones serving them. This is going to be a time in our career where it'll be unlike any other. You know, we're going to have to give 110%. Um, our lives are going to change. And we're going to have to put these needs of these families above ours, you know, for quite a while. And I remember right at the end of November, my wife, when that, this happened, my wife says to me, well, I guess I'll see you next year, you know, yeah, and yeah. after Christmas. Yeah. And it, it was pretty realistic. Uh, you know, we spent day and night with these families. Um, you know, the, one of the more interesting things I learned from serving this family is that not only had these nine people passed away, and not only was this family hurting, but each individual had their different needs. And so we would work with them on a family basis, and we'd work with them on an individual basis. I'd have a young wife call me or text me. We, we gave them all of our, here's my cell phone number, yeah. you call yeah. me, whatever you need, anytime. We'd have, I'd get a text message from a young wife saying, I really need to be with my husband right now. And I'd be here 10 minutes later and we'd spend several hours together. And uh, that's just what we had to do. I called my dad after this accident and I said, Dad, I don't really know how to do this. I've only been in the business 15 years this is gonna be something that we've never dealt with before. And he said, Brian, I've never dealt with it either. And Wood Funeral Home, in our 100 years of being in business, we've never had a tragedy on this level. So he said, we're all gonna to learn together. And he came and helped through all the funeral services with us too. Um, but I think our whole team, uh, right from the get-go, we realized 
how important this was going to be and, and how much the family was going to need our support. And so we gave it our all. And we try to always do that, you know. Um, whatever these families need, we just hope that we can give, what, give them what they need. And it was a long December, you know. I really didn't get a, you know, we didn't really get to see our families until after Christmas, it felt like. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and, uh, that but, December was devoted to this other family. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. But we wouldn't have had it any other way. And our families, our individual families, wouldn't have had it any other way. They knew we were out doing the things that we needed to do. And uh, so I, I feel like I have a lifelong friendship with this family. You know, I, I talked to a few of them and they said, Brian, we've, you've been with us so much. Uh, we just expect to see you at family reunions from, yeah, right. from here on out. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, it was kind of weird. You know, I, I just became part of this family. I know them all by name, all the kids, all the grandkids. Yeah. You know, we all... And they started, you know, right off the right off the bat, they had to bring me into their lives. I, they invited me into a family meeting right after it happened into one of their homes, and it was very overwhelming. Yeah, you know, they had to put a lot of trust in me because what they just endured, and now they have a stranger. Some of them didn't know me, yeah, some right. of them did. Right. But now they have a stranger who they need to count on to help them navigate it. And uh, right after that that family meeting, I think we all had an understanding that I was in it for them, and they they really buoyed me up. Their, their strength and faith was unlike anything I'd ever seen before, ever. And uh, so that was a big help for our whole staff, is seeing this family and the strength that they had and the perseverance and, uh, you know, them lifting each other and, and the community. You know, they're... Uh, one one experience I'll share with you about this that really stood out to me is when their loved ones were arriving in Idaho Falls. We all gathered here at the funeral home, the whole, the entire family, and the funeral home in South Dakota that was serving them caravaned them all here at one time. And when they arrived, um, the family here that we were taking care of thanked the drivers and gave them gift baskets and filled their trailers with boxes of Idaho potatoes to take home to South Dakota wow. to thank them and their families and these wow. beautiful prepared gift baskets thanking them for their time before they even spent time with their loved ones. Yeah, like and that they could have the presence of mind to care about those people. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, and that that's how they were from the from the start all the way to the very end. Yeah. And so um but, and I'm sure that's the way they are today. That's yeah. the type of people they are. For sure. Well, I, you know, I think about this, and I think about how, um, obviously, our hearts were going out to everyone involved in this, uh, the whole community. But did you have other, at that time, did you have other funeral homes reach out to you and say, hey, if you need help, we're here for you? You bet. feels like that would have been a time where we just yeah. all had to come together. Yeah. And, you know, one thing that's great about our area is, the funeral homes are really here to help each other. You know, we're we're in a uh, even though we're business competitors, we're in a the similar service of of serving families through a hard time. And so, yeah, all of the surrounding funeral homes, from Rigby to Blackfoot and everybody in between, called, "Hey, can we support you? Do you need uh, some more vehicles? Do you need any extra staff?" You know, and they all reached out. Mm -hmm. Yep, and they were there for our community and for us and. You know, that was a really great thing for our relationships. Um, so, yeah, it was great to see everyone come together for that. 
Well, it is an interesting thing how in tragedy, um, again, just like we talked about, the best comes out in families and the worst comes out in families. And we're kind of seeing it play out right now as we're looking at COVID-19 and, and how we're all affected by this. It's bringing out the best and the worst in us and we have an opportunity. And how are we gonna, what are we gonna do with it, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think too, as business owners, it's something that we don't necessarily love to think about the times that are gonna stretch us. Mm -hmm. um, but emergency preparedness is always something that we need to at least have a little thought about because man, you don't know when it's gonna hit you I that know. you gotta do this kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, just today we're, as a funeral home, we're trying to figure out how to navigate the COVID-19 as well with, uh, you know, having large groups together, you know, yeah, where, right. where do we draw a line? You know, I think right now we're really, uh, along with the churches and, and the different organizations in the schools that are recommending to, to not have large groups together. Starting today, we're actually going to be recommending to our families to have as close to family members as possible small at funerals mm -hmm. until we can kind of get through the initial part of this storm and see what it means. And uh, so that'll be a hard thing. I think some people are going to have a hard time with that. You know, a lot of people have a lot of loved ones in the community. And uh, traveling, coming yeah. from lo lo far distances to right. say good give their, you know, best, their regards to the family and say goodbye. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 It'll be an interesting time. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much for sharing that. I appreciate that so you much. Bet. You know, I think about you and when you were talking about coming into this business and, um, your initial idea about being an insurance salesman, right? Were there any, do you have doubts and fears about being a business owner? Did you have doubts and fears about coming into this? Obviously, what I can relate a little bit in the fact that we're third generation owners, you're fifth generation owners. Kevin says about our business, this business is not going to die on my watch, right? Because it's third generation. Yeah. Is there pressure on you as a yeah. fifth generation owner? Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's funny. I always laughed at the the business owners that said, "Oh, it's it's not all that uh, that it's built up to be to be in a business owner." I'm like, "Sure, you know, you you can make your own schedule." Yeah, you can, it's so glamorous. Oh, yeah, man, boy, was I fooled. Um, you know, I, I think uh, when my dad formally retired and wasn't here on a day to day basis, and I got to see all of, I started experiencing all of the things that uh, a business owner has to go through outside of just being able to just be here to work and, and then to help the families, you know, the, the, the sales calls and, and maybe the upset families that didn't have things go exactly the way they wanted. Uh, you know, there, there are a lot of things that add a lot of stress in my life. My wife has noticed, she's like, uh, your beard's turning gray. <laughs> <laughs> it's starting to wear on you, yeah. brother. But, um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of stresses. Uh, you're right. There are big shoes to fill, you know, multiple generations of service and and just like your husband and I don't want to let our community down I don't want to let my my dad or my grandpa or great grandpa down uh, so it, it's a constant struggle I tell my staff a lot I said you know when you go home at night at five o'clock put your phone away and focus on your family because when I go home I'm still thinking about the funeral <laughs> home until the next morning it's my job yeah but um I, I know you know what that you know how that feels yeah um but I think with that responsibility comes a, a lot of strength too and and uh, gives gives me a little extra initiative to really 
you know, do the best I can. And, and it's a good thing too, you know, uh, but yeah, it's tough, you know, making sure, you know, you want to make sure your staff is taken care of and the community and, and, uh, you know, make sure payroll is good and so on and so forth. And that's another thing that's hard is when you're serving a family, we really want to make it about the service. But at the end of the day, in order to provide that service, we have to charge for the yeah, services. Yeah, you still have a business. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. That, that's a hard thing here in our business because we don't want them to feel like, hey, here's a bill, pay us, and then we'll do this service for you. Really, we want them to know whatever you need, we want to provide for you. I'm not here to say, oh, this nice casket over here would look great for your grandma. You know, whatever you need, we want to provide that for you. But at the same time, in order to provide that service, it's going to cost some money. You yeah. know, there's a lot of parties involved. And uh, so that's a stressful thing about, about being a business owner here is having to charge families, especially when there's trauma or, you know, um, one of the things we do is we do free services for babies. We, we do not charge for babies any merchandise that they may need if we also have a free casket that we use for babies but if if they want more you know more programs or different things we'll charge a little bit but but uh you know when we go through the loss of a young young person or a tragedy how do you look across the room from somebody and say okay well here's your bill you know so that's a hard thing yeah that's i i mean i think about some of our salesmen have a rough time selling a brake job. That's yeah. nothing compared to what you have to do. Like, yeah. wow. Well, and when people pass away, they many times they're not choosing to come visit Wood Funeral Home. They're forced to come. Yeah, You right. know, whereas if you go to a retail, you're going to purchase something. Yeah. You've already decided yeah. that's what you're going to do. Yeah. But in a time of loss, many people aren't prepared emotionally, financially, and so... It's definitely unique in that way. Now, that's something, though, that you really do recommend is funeral pre-planning. Like, come in and let's have these conversations before we're at that moment. What what percentage of the population actually oh, take advantage of that? It's re- actually going up now. Good. You know, I think a lot more people are wanting to be prepared. Yeah. One of the things I encourage people is is to do some planning ahead of time when they're in their right mind. You know, if you're making decisions off emotions, you probably aren't making the best decisions. And so a lot of families will come in, sit down, even with the loved one that they're planning funerals for, and with the right mind, will make selections, will make their wishes, will do it with time on their hands so that they can make decisions that will be, you know, what they need and what what they can afford or, you know, what they really want. Whereas, you know, some people, when they go through a loss, they feel like, oh, I wish I could have done more for dad. Maybe I'll, you know, if it's an it's emotion, like I say, emotionally money. based, yeah, yeah. it's not a healthy thing for them. Yeah. And we don't want to put them in a bad situation either. Yeah. So um, I think a lot more families are. We have two full-time pre-planning staff here. Wow. And those two gals, they are busy. Good. You know, I, um, they're here every single day meeting with families and, and they're going to homes and they're going, you know, they're between our two funeral homes and, uh, they're just, they're going, going, going. I'm glad to hear that. I, you know, again, I think death and dying is not something that we love to talk about, but man, it, it is so helpful if we can have those conversations before I, I have a good friend and he has his program already planned. Like he's, it's, it's set, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> when he dies, it's going to be easy to 
have all of his arrangements because he's already got it all taken care of. Yeah. And how neat is that? Mm-hmm. So it's a good lesson for all of us. It takes a huge weight off of families. Yeah. Uh, when a family comes in and we already have a plan, you know, it, it allows them uh, some time to heal. You know, when you're stuck in the middle of tons and tons of decisions, I just feel like it's not a, not a very healthy way for them to be getting through this, this yeah. experience. Yeah. And so having a lot of those decisions made uh, allows them a little bit more healing, I think, and and is a good thing. Yeah, I agree. Well, what kind of advice would you have for anyone considering their own business or perhaps taking over a family business? Hmm. You know, I would say uh, someone that wants to own their own business or taking over a family business, I think you really need to be sure this is what you would love and what you would want to do. Your, that, that business, you know, you can't just step into a business because it's a hand-me-down business. You have to appreciate it. You know, we, we always hear that, what is it? Is it third-generation businesses are the ones that fail the most? Yes. Because by that time, um, they don't appreciate all the hard work that was put into to building the business. And, and uh, you, really, you really have to. You, you have to grasp the gravity of, of the business that you're stepping into. Um, do you really want to do this? Is, is this a service you want to provide? Um, I, I think that's the most important thing is knowing that this is what you want to do. Um, like I said before, the pay is just a bonus to what you're really there for. You know, um, I guess that's just some advice is just to be sure it's the right thing for you. Well, I love that advice. And I hope my sons are going to listen to this episode because I always worry about them feeling pressured to be in the family business because our name is on the sign and they need to carry that on yeah. just like you. Yeah. Um, but if that's not what they want to do, we're totally okay with that. And, mm-hmm. and I hope that they do, they're able to have that moment of clarity where they can say, yeah, this is really what I love and this is what I want to do. So I love that advice. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, Brian, we have talked a lot. I've kept you. What uh, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners before I let you go? You know, uh, I, I was just going to, not to put a plug in for this building that you and I are sitting in. When we first walked in here this morning, you said, what is this building here? Uh, yeah, it looks like a, a house. It's a new building yeah. uh, at our Ammon location. But um one thing that's interesting about our area is um, many people wouldn't realize the rate of uh, cremation to burial. And when I started here, uh, burial was maybe 80%, uh, you know, 15 years ago and 20% cremation. Well, we've now reached a time where we're 50-50 really? in, wow. our com- in our community. Mm-hmm. And uh, so um, one thing that we've continued to try to do is try to offer services for any type of family, depending on what, what they need. You know, uh, historically, I think funeral homes haven't really known how to help families with cremation as their selection. They would come in, they would say, we would like cremation. And the funeral director would say, okay, uh, come back in three days and we'll have your urn ready for you. And that was the end. And then a family comes in to choose burial and they, and we say, oh, well, why don't you come in and help you help? You can help dress mom or you can help do her hair or right. you can do her nails. Right. And we're providing all these opportunities for healing, some therapeutic opportunities for them. And it hit me uh, two years ago. Um, we could do better with our families that choose cremation. And I, I think um, in any business, you have to adapt to change. You know, um, 
now that we've, we've, we've built this building in order to better serve our families that choose cremation, they're able to, to view and spend time with them in a comfortable environment. Yeah. You know, crematoriums, historically, at funeral homes have been tucked away in their garage uh, because that's the normal place to put them. But we, we've built a building with a beautiful foyer and a comforting area to visit with a family for them to spend with their loved one. We've even given them the capability of being present as their loved one is placed for cremation. You know, you can see Renee across the room here, uh, that painting, do you see the button below that painting? Yeah. The families here in this foyer, they can even turn on the crematorium from here if they decide to. Wow. And, I've, and you know, that sounds really weird to some people. I remember the very first guy that I, I said, hey, we have this brand new building, and let me tell you what, if you would like to do any of these things that you could do, he said, I would love to view, I would love to be present, I wanna turn it on. And I remember when he pushed that button, he turned to me and just sobbed and hugged me and put his head on my my shoulder. And then he said, that was my way of saying goodbye. I was able to send my dad. It was it was my send off. Wow. And I think everyone has different things that they need. Yeah. And, and I think for us, we really have tried to provide any service that a family needs for their healing. Yeah. And uh, so I, I'm really excited about um, where we've come and how far we've come through the years. I've loved the service that our staff provides. And uh, so I, I just hope that the, the communities around us have confidence in us as funeral homes, that we really have their be best interest in mind. And, and we hope that they, they know that we love and care for them. You know, and we've cared for them for four or five generations as well. Yes, you have. We hope to be able to continue to provide a good service to them. Yeah. Thank you, Brian. Thank you so much for being on the show today. It's it's fun to learn more about your family and the lifelong service that you've given to our area. And like I said, I think you've probably been a part of all of our families mm. at one time or another, you and your team. And the work you do is so important and it seems so hard, but you make it feel like it doesn't have to be. Uh, so thank you so much. Thanks for committing your life to this service so that we can navigate a really difficult time in our own lives a bit easier. And, mm -hmm. and, uh, for sharing your story. It was great. Thank you. Well, thanks so much for letting me be part of the show. Absolutely. Yeah. As a reminder, Oswald Service and Repair sponsors this show, and we have locations in Idaho Falls and Rexburg. We'd love the chance to take care of all of your automotive repair and maintenance needs. So please come see us and let our family take care of your family. Now stay tuned for the business leadership moment to learn tips and tactics on how to be a better leader wherever that may be. It's now time for a business leadership moment on East Idaho Entrepreneur's Podcast. Hi guys, thanks for joining me for the business leadership moment. This is a place where we can talk about tips and tactics on how to be a better leader. But you know what? You don't have to have a business to be a leader. We're all leaders in one way or the other, whether that's our family, our community, um, in our places that we work or if we own a business. So hopefully these tips and tactics are helpful to each and every one of you. This segment is brought to you by Idaho RiseCon. RiseCon is an East Idaho business conference. It's held every November and it also has a sister event called RiseX. RiseX is a monthly get together where we solve problems in our business. So if you're interested in either of these events, please go to IdahoRiseCon.com or RiseX.io, and you can find out all sorts of information and um, learn about when the next event is and, and where you can find us. 
Um, okay, so I wanted to just touch base uh, with you guys. Isn't it an interesting time? As you heard in the show, um, the Wood Funeral Home is navigating what to do with COVID-19. We as small business owners are all trying to figure out what to do with COVID-19 and what our new norm's going to be for a little while with the social distancing that we have going on. Um, For some of our businesses, it's going to hit us so much harder than others, but we're all affected with this. And so I wanted to just talk about how to support small local businesses from home and what it does for us as small businesses. So one of the things, one of the ideas that is out there about how to support small businesses while we're at home is to call and ask to buy gift cards um, that can be used later. So why is this important? Well, obviously it's helping those businesses have some infusion of um, income right now when things have Clearly, you know, we're, we're all taking a hit. So this is the time, if you can do it, buy some gift cards. And then as this passes, you can go and have a great experience with your family or your significant other or whoever, um, and you'll have these gift cards. So this is a great time to support small business by buying gift cards. Be patient. They may be short-staffed. Some of us might have this effect our employees in our business. Um, I think about our own business, automotive repair. If we have one of our technicians down, it's going to be a big impact for us because we're pretty booked every single day. And so taking a guy out um, to recover from an illness would be a big impact for us. So as consumers, we need to learn to be patient Uh, This is a time where we do need to give each other grace. And hopefully none of us will have this affect us like that. But we have other illnesses that are going on with the influenza and the cold and everything else. So it's it's a great time for us to remember that um, we need to have some grace for one another. Um, Follow for updates or call. What's really helpful, and I think that so many of us are trying to do this, is for us in the service industry, if you bring your vehicle in, we don't want you to be nervous about waiting in the waiting room. So we're happy to take you home and we'll work on your car and then come and get you when it's done. Uh, We don't want you to be at risk of exposure any more than you have to be. So we'll totally take care of your vehicle. We'll take care of you. And I know many people are doing similar things where we're just trying to keep you in your homes and yet still take care of the things that you need. Um, so email or check in or call, um, just try to keep in touch with those businesses that you need to have services done with. Uh, promote businesses on social media. This is a fantastic time for us to look around and say, you know, I had this great experience and I didn't write a review and Hey, I've got time now. Let's, let's put in a review. So, think about that. If you, it really can help local business right now. We're all wondering what we can do to help, you know, especially as a small business, we're looking around at other small businesses and man, we're feeling the pain for each other as, um, the it's being affected with people coming in. And so what a great time for us to support each other by writing a review, promoting on social media, whatever, whatever it is that you need to do, take that opportunity to do it. Um, And, you know, 
maybe just reach out and ask how you can help. If you if you're in a position that you can do that, um, there might be businesses out there that maybe need toilet paper. No, I'm just kidding. I suspect that we're probably okay, but you never know. So not just businesses. How can we help each other during this time? Just like I said in the episode with Brian, how in his business, he sees the worst and the best in people. Wow, aren't we seeing that same thing as we're navigating this virus? We're seeing the best in people and we're seeing the worst. So let's do all we can to help support and um buoy each other up during this time. And man, we'll get through this. It's going to be okay. It's a fun time for us to learn how to do business differently. And we'll, you know, we're, we're going to be all right. But it definitely is a little anxiety producing. And anything we can do to support one another through this is absolutely um, positive and good. So chin up, everyone. We will be able to weather this and it's going to be a great learning experience for all of us. And so I hope that you have a great week and I'll be here for you next week. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to East Idaho Entrepreneurs Podcast. Proudly brought to you by Oswald Service and Repair for all your car care needs in Eastern Idaho. Let our family take care of yours. www.oswaldserviceinc.com